Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in, turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, great day to have you with us here on this Tuesday. It is absolutely gorgeous out. We've got baseball tonight, going to 6:15, 6:30. We'll have uh, first pitch of ECU and the uh, Sea Chickens of UNC Wonderful. We'll bring that uh, to you today. Looking forward to it. And it is uh, great to have you with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We got quite a uh, show today, going to 6.15, leading into ECU coverage, as I mentioned, and uh, quite a show tomorrow. Uh, Looking forward to Raekwon Boyette joining us. Now, uh, if that name sounds familiar, he was hired to be ECU's new receivers coach. And uh, maybe if you don't know him from there, he was at Duke for a number of years under David Cutcliffe, played at Duke, is from Wilson. So you might recognize Coach Boyette from uh, there. So uh, I'm looking forward to having him on the show tomorrow. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, He is well, well liked by coaches throughout North Carolina and really well-liked by coaches throughout Eastern North Carolina. Uh, young guy brings a lot of uh, energy to the uh, to this uh, pirate program, I think. And he's been pretty good with the outside receivers. All indications are he has been, uh, he's been pretty tough. So follow Coach Boyette on Twitter. Uh, at Coach Boyette, aptly. But uh, we'll have him tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm very excited uh, about that. Hey, uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington is producing today's show. Philip, how's it going? Pretty good, Patrick. I enjoyed my long weekend. How about you? Uh, well, good weekend. I, we're, we're uh, as I continue to say, we're in the mode of uh, shedding some things because uh, we're, we're finally going to get into our new abode uh, sooner than later. Uh, and uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, we also have um, <laughs> uh, we also have this is a chance for my wife to get me to throw the things out. I've she's always wanted me to throw out, so this this has worked out well for her. But um, yeah, so the the schedule uh, really next week is going to be a little spotty here and there as far as I'm I go because uh, you know I got I just got things you got to do, and we've got some some things to do next week so there'll be a few days i'll be in and i'll be out maybe towards the end of the week i'll be more back in uh next week so uh stay tuned for that uh ben and philip will carry you through things on the days i can't make it uh what an offseason for your carolina panthers uh philip we haven't had the interesting one (laughs) we haven't had the draft yet uh let's see two players arrested right yeah uh, can't trade for Sam Darnold. We got more on that coming up, though. 
they're in the mix for two quarterbacks that their team, their current teams don't want, supposedly, but would have to give up too much to get them, Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield. And then they missed on Deshaun Watson, right? Well, sounds uh, like I would he didn't want to come here, so I don't know. Right. I would I would respectfully add Stephen Gilmore to Indianapolis is not a good thing either. No, it is not. And now the Rock Hill deal has fallen through. The Rock Hill deal has fallen through. For those of you not familiar with the Rock Hill deal, the Panthers were building under uh, David Tepper Sports and Entertainment, or Tepper Sports and Entertainment, a near-billion-dollar headquarters in Rock Hill. This was going to be a stadium where, because uh, it is kind of a stadium, where they were going to uh, basically, in the vein of what the Cowboys have done, probably use that to play small, some small college games or maybe even high school football games in there. But it's a practice facility. It's where they were going to have their offices. They are going to have uh, some shopping and some other development around there. And they're, I mean, they're already started on this. Right, Philip? I mean, this is underway. This is happening. I mean, there's, there's construction that has taken place on the site. Is that correct? So that's ongoing. Happening as we as we speak here, so so to speak. Uh, this is a, a report from uh, Indria Esquiva, who actually used to work at Rocky Mountain Television. Uh, and this is a, a report from WNCN Television out in uh, Charlotte, the city of Rock Hill apparently missed some kind of payment. City of Rock Hill was issued a notice of default from a group representing the Panthers and Tepper Sports and Entertainment. Uh, that notice, I guess, which was to pay, make good on that uh, payment, expired Sunday. So the Panthers are terminating the original agreement. That's the key word here, the original agreement to build their $800 million headquarters in Rock Hill. Tepper Sports cites the city's failure to issue $225,000 worth of bonds. So let's hear the report as heard on a Charlotte television station a little bit ago. And I spoke to a spokesperson from Tepper Sports and Entertainment by phone this morning, and he told me he wanted to make it clear that this that the uh, organization is terminating the agreements and not the project. Of course, the devil is in the details here, because it sounds like there is hope that this that an agreement can be worked out and the project can be saved. This all started in early March when Tepper's organization said it was pausing the project. We learned that the city of Rock Hill was unable to secure two. $225 million in bonds to pay for public infrastructure on the site. The city of Rock Hill has maintained it has met all of its obligations. Still, both York County and Rock Hill worked out a new deal telling Tepper that if his organization paid for the infrastructure out of pocket, it would get that money back in tax credits. Now it seems that deal is also off the table. Instead, the Panthers said they want to terminate previous agreements and they are ready to sit down to discuss, quote, the significant challenge ahead. So what this sounds like to me is Tepper, for better or for worse, 
is now going back to the negotiating table. Is that, is that what you're kind of picking up there? That's what it sounds like, but it's uh, tough negotiations on your part when you already have like, yes. half this thing built, and now it's just yeah. sitting there, wasted land and resources and equipment. Well, and I've not looked into exactly how much, and I don't know if it's been reported how much that the Tepper Group has put into the thing yet, how much money they've spent on those resources, et cetera. Uh, how much they've spent on the materials, the construction, what's going on to this point. In other words, how much money is totally out of pocket. But I will assure you that David Tepper, unlike the uh, city of Rock Hill, probably has some cash to burn. But this obviously is a move to get this thing back to the negotiating table. The... Headlines are going to read, the agreement has ended, but again, as, as the reporter said there, devil is in the details. And so that my, my guess is they'll wind up again at the negotiating table, but this is not a good way to lead off that partnership. I mean, you're, you're right, Philip. I'm looking at a picture here. I mean, this is significantly underway, the actual structure of their offices are. I mean, it's it's pretty much... Got a, got a roof on it, and it looks like that the shell is there for everything that you would have for this building. And it's just everything else. I mean, they still have a ways to go, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, the majority of this building looks like it is pretty well built. I mean, you can't say that six figures haven't already been put into this. Oh, gee, more than that. You're right, and that, that was a low ball. I mean, we can't see what it looks like on the other side. For all we know, if we could see the other side and see what's been done to the inside, it could be you know already three, four million have been put into this. No, I bet more than that. I, I I would say tens of millions have already been put in this thing. Tens of millions. I mean, I, you, I'm talking about acquisition of the land, moving of the dirt, price of materials. I mean, this this thing is built pretty well. Uh, jokes. They got jokes online. Uh, somebody tweeting that this will become a spirit Halloween. In uh, late September, there in Rock Hill, that's a pretty good line. That's it's a pretty good joke. That's a pretty good joke. Um, and let me see now, what else uh, that it, uh, would become one of these uh, mega, like a satellite for a mega church? That's pretty good too. That's a pretty good too. Um, a lot of people are upset. Because tax incentives were given out to Tepper. Oh yeah, I'm watching a video now of this Philip that's that's showing how much of the building has already been. But yeah, this is maybe uh, over a hundred million, couple hundred million have already been put in to this thing. What a so waste! They, they're going to have to do something. Gonna have to do something. Again, that uh, Panthers have terminated the project agreements with the city of Rock Hill. They are citing failure to issue bonds or provide funding for the team's $800 million training facility. So there you go. Uh, we'll see what uh, what winds up happening uh, with that. Uh, no new movement on the Baker Mayfield front. No new movement on the Jimmy Garoppolo front. But we have this from... Offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo, who was holding court today, uh, he said this 
about Sam Darnold? Sam is our starting quarterback, yes. And I'll let, you know, Coach Rule will obviously have a say over that, but the way it is in the building right now, Sam is our starting quarterback. In fact, he went on to say that's the reason he really was intrigued by the job was to work with Darnold. Now, was this within the same statement, like 90 seconds within the statement, or was this a separate statement? It was a separate statement, but it was. I think Twitter said it was like 100 or one minute and 37 seconds later, according to CBS Sports' Twitter. I mean, this is like <laughs> legit Twitter, not just some goofball. Right, right. There's plenty of goofballs. All right, so again, let's play what he said originally. Ben McAdoo, cut A. Sam is our starting quarterback, yes. And I'll let, you know, Coach Rule will obviously have a say over that, but the way it is in the building right now, Sam is our starting quarterback. 90 seconds later, he said this. You know, announcing the starting quarterback here, I just put my foot in the mouth, so that wasn't something (laughs) I should have said. McAdoo has kind of always come across as a little bit of a doofus, hasn't he? He always has, and he uh, just proved and it Probably once always again. will. Yeah, probably always will. Especially after today, he always will. No going back Ooh. now, baby. No. Sam is the star. I, I tell you, with this news today in Rock Hill and then that, that comment, and, you know, again, I think he just got ahead of his skis a little bit there. I, I mean, I, look, right now, if they were playing a game next week, who'd be the starter, uh, uh, Philip? Well, considering only him and P.J. Walker on the roster, obviously it Sam has Darnold. to be Sam Darnold. So going right now into workouts coming up, Darnold's the guy. Now, that, who knows what's going to happen with the draft? Who knows what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield? Who knows what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? Who knows what's going to happen with anybody? So, you know, it, I get that it's the whole hush-hush but, I mean, that's McAdoo's working with what he's been presented right now, and that's Darnold is the guy. All right, uh, some more comments quickly from uh, him. Got a couple minutes here. This is McAdoo says, uh, not really going to get into what type of offense that they are right now. First things first, we'll start. Uh, we'll play a little bit under center. We'll play a little bit in a gun. We'll do that based on each install. Uh, we're not gonna, you know, we're, we're not gonna uh, jump into this thing and say we're gonna be a certain type of offense right away. You know, our approach is gonna be comprehensive, so we're gonna jump into it, and uh, we're gonna put the system in as a whole. Uh, the system can fit and can tailor to any type of player that we bring in here. We don't ever want to turn down a good player because he doesn't fit the system. And uh, as we get going, we want to make sure we tailor the system to the players we have and what they do best. So right now, we're, uh, we just had a couple meetings here. We had one yesterday. We had one today. And we're just going through putting the general section stuff in, the beginning of the book in. Uh, we got lined up yesterday. And today, we started putting some, um, some simple run concepts in. But we want to make sure we get a look at these guys in pads and see what they do best before we you know, try to guess on uh, – you know, the best way to go out and play. All right, and then he was asked about what the Panthers are looking for in the draft. You know, I think you, you have to look at each position. I think it's an exciting year for the draft, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, what, what the narrative out there, but I think there are a lot of players that could jump up there early in the draft. There's a lot of, of qualified players um, but, you know, you're really looking for, you know, the whole package when you're picking up high and those are uh, and you kind of want to see uh, how the player fits into, 
you know, your culture and fits into the brand. I'm a big believer uh, in the brand here that Coach Rule has, a uh, big believer in the plan to win, and I think uh, that's kind of your starting point there. Uh, so, I mean, Philip, was this were these comments made before or after the, the Darnold comment? Because he, he was – it sounds like he was in full coach speak mode at this point. These were all before the uh, Darnold comment. Ah, he, he was feeling – he was in his feels. He's like, hey, I'm handling this. This is nothing like New York. These these uh, country bumpkins down here. Oh, I've got them eating out of the palm of my hand. Uh, they're 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 just lapping up the coach speak. Oh yeah, they got were a little... even trying to bait him into stuff, and he would literally just say uh... like, oh, I'm not. You know, I've been in this business long enough not know not to comment on that. He was feeling good about himself till he slipped up and announced the starter. <laughs> what an idiot! All right, uh, this is McAdoo on the new additions. On the offensive line, cut four on the vest soundbite roster. Yeah, I like, uh, you know, when I came in, we started watching film. I think there's good pieces here on the offensive line. And I think Adam Bozeman and Adam Corbett did uh, nothing but help us and, and created depth and created competition right there. But there's some good young players who have to grow and they need to develop and they need to improve. And uh, I can't think of a better guy to, to come in and help do it than Coach Campen. Um, he's a tremendous football coach. I worked with him for uh, for eight years in Green Bay, and uh, I know he's excited uh, to get out there on the field and get his hands on these guys. All right, uh, is cut five where he says this, or is that a separate thing on Darnold where he talked about him, uh, Pilk? No, he just somebody asked him what his evaluation was on Darnold as a player, and he just kind of went okay. into that. All right, let's hit that. I think that's a fair one here to wrap up uh, this uh, segment. Yeah, you know, uh, Sam was one of the things, uh, one of the people that intrigued me to the job, to be honest with you. I, you know, I think Sam does have some magic in his game. I think he's got some athleticism to him. Uh, I'm excited to work with Sam, and uh, we've been working the last few days here uh, to kind of get up to speed on the offense. And he's shown uh, flashes of being a good player in this league and, you know, uh, working together. Hopefully we can get that to show up more consistently. And then he even announced him as the starter. That's, oh, I got ahead of my skis. That's funny. That's great. All right. Uh, we'll break. Uh, come back. Going to 615 today, leading into baseball coverage. It is the uh, one and only Patrick Johnson show. And uh, we'll come back with a little bit more. Uh, get ready to have an update from Philip. We'll also talk to uh, Corey Smith a little later on in the show. He is uh, the editor of Pack Pride, and we're going to talk to him about uh, NC State and how things are looking for the pack out of the spring because that is ECU's first opponent on the grid in September, so never too early to talk some college football. A break. We'll be back. Patrick Johnson Show rolls on. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. Just three words tell you everything you need to know. They tell you why we employ more than 2,000 workers at our factory in Virginia Beach and why over 10,000 local steel dealers are putting battery power in the hands of Americans. Just three words, made in America. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. The majority of steel products sold in America are made in America of US and foreign materials. Batteries and chargers are sourced internationally. 
I'm on site at the Gavigan Agency with commercial insurance specialist Nathan Brannon. Nathan, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Gavigan Agency. Great to talk with you, Hank. As you mentioned, I'm a commercial insurance agent for the Gavigan Agency and specialize in offering general liability, commercial property, business auto, and workers' compensation insurance to independent contractors, small business owners, and larger commercial customers throughout eastern North Carolina. Nathan, it sounds like the Gavigan Agency can provide just about any coverage a business owner may need. That's right, Hank. The Gavigan Agency is a fully independent insurance agency with access to some of the top insurance carriers in the region, and we offer a full host of insurance products to help protect our customers' personal and business insurance needs. As a graduate of East Carolina University, I am passionate about taking care of my fellow pirates. So give the Gavigan Agency a call today at 252-756-1400 and let them show you the benefits of doing business with someone who cares. Remember the days when you could go to your favorite butcher shop and get your pork chops or steaks cut just the way you like them? Well, you still can. Acre Station Meat Farm on Highway 32 in Pinetown, north of Washington, is Eastern Carolina's traditional butcher shop. Acre Station is where you can get your order cut the way you want it. The best sausage, bacon, and pork chops and steaks you'll ever taste. I get my steaks from Acre Station because uh, the quality is great and they can cut it any size you like and just can't find a selection like that anywhere else. I like to go get my roast at Acre Station because they cut it at about six pounds and that's perfect for my for my family because I just can't find what I'm looking for at the grocery store anymore. Acre Station, your traditional butcher shop in Pinetown just outside Washington on Highway 32. Find out what others have always known. The short trip to Acre Station is worth the drive. At Acre Station, you just get that good, friendly service you just can't find anymore. I guarantee it's the best sausage and bacon you'll ever eat. Hey, I'm Gray Fussell. I'm a fourth-generation winemaker at Dupa Winery and a proud alumnus of ECU. I'd love for you to visit with us in Rose Hill or North Myrtle Beach or look for our delicious fruity wines in your favorite store or on our website. As always, thank you for your support. And now that I work full-time with my dad, I understand why Mom enjoys a glass of our Hatter's Red every night. Thanks for drinking Duplin and go Pirates. number one sports show is back. I understand. Yeah, I understand. No, ready. Yeah, I'm ready. It's the Patrick Johnson Show on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. Pirate baseball coming up later tonight. ECU uh, will look for the series sweep against UNCW 6:30 from uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. Hey, uh, coming up on Friday, it is our spring kickoff party at Wildwood Park. Uh, and they'll have food trucks, a beer garden, live music with the main event band. Uh, we've got sponsors. They are uh, the following Phelps Chevrolet, Eastern Radiologists, Victra, Advanced Mechanical Heating and Air. And there is another one here. Uh, and I don't have it here in front of me. Forgive me for that. Uh, but, uh, yes, we got uh, that coming up. 
so uh, I think it's 5, 5.30, somewhere in there. I mean, basically, when you get off work, you could head over there. And uh, that'll be a uh, that'll be fantastic. That'll be a fun way to start uh, the spring with our uh, spring kickoff uh, event. Uh, Southern Bank, part of the Wildwood Park event. So uh, Southern Bank also will be one of the uh, sponsors of that event. All right, uh, it is the uh, Patrick Johnson Show. We want to get. Uh, uh, to uh, our guest coming up, uh, Corey from uh, Pack Pride, as we'll uh, take a look at the NC State Wolfpack and probably do a little bit of this, I would imagine, over the course of uh, the next several months, you know, kind of check in with the latest a la Phil Steele on uh, some of the pirate opponents for the football season with a huge football uh, campaign coming up. Uh, Raekwon Boyette tomorrow, new outside receivers coach, Wilson native, just joining the Pirate staff this year. Big things uh, in uh, Coach Boyette's future and uh, also uh, having him as part of the uh, Pirate Nation now is uh, a huge thing. Well-regarded, well-liked, very excited to have uh, Coach Boyette uh, on the program tomorrow. So that'll be 5-6. to six. We'll also have a recap of ECU. Uh, and their game tonight against UNCW as the Pirates look for a uh, big uh, uh, victory over the Seahawks, beating them earlier in the season. Cliff Godwin talking about that earlier. Uh, it was uh, a little bit of a uh, kind of a cool moment last night in Major League Baseball as Freddie Freeman uh, uncorked a uh, homer against the Braves. Now Freeman part of the Dodgers, signed with them in the offseason. My opinion should have been a brave for life, but you know, that's not the world we live in. But it uh, sounded like this on Dodgers radio from Chavez Ravine. The pitch, fly ball, left center field. It's going to be a long run for Duvall. He looks up and it's gone. Oh my, Freddie, Freddie, Dodgers one to nothing. Can you believe that? Pretty cool moment, I would say, wouldn't you, Pilk? I mean, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I uh, saw today, too, where the uh, good people of uh, Bristol Motor Speedway were uh, making the statement that they're going to have another nighttime dirt track race in 2023. Now, as far as people going to the race at Bristol, that ain't happening anymore. I mean, there's still a lot of people there because that's a massive racetrack, right? Yeah, but I think you got to take in the fact that it's in the Bible Belt South and it's, you know, Christian's biggest holiday that night is, is no, a little uh, bit of the reason people weren't there. Well, but what was stopping them from going on regular Sundays that were not on Easter the last few years? Oh, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, before it went to dirt. But I think more people were intrigued to go with the dirt race than they were with the asphalt. Yeah, maybe so. There was more dirt in the stands than on parts of the track and and, and fans in the stands in some spots. Now, I'll give NASCAR credit, and I'll give Bristol credit. They look to have it a little more under control this year with the dirt. Last year was an abomination. I mean, Philip, I know you're a NASCAR guy, and I, and I want to be. I really want to be. But they just they do things to chase me away, to chase other fans away so consistently. I did like Walter Beck on the broadcast. Oh, and yeah, I think it's DW back was, was amazing. He was awesome. We got to hear you boogity, know, boogity, boogity, boogity again. How can we complain? DW was on this show all the time before he retired. I mean, he'd come on with us every year. 
sometimes twice a year. So we love us some DW here. And he didn't sound like to me he missed a beat. Did it sound like to you he did? I mean, he was – I thought he was sharp. I thought he was sharper than he was near the end of his run, actually. Yeah, I think he picked up right where he left off, or like you said, maybe even picked up back in the middle of his prime. And then they're going to have at the race uh, this week uh, down at Talladega, right? They're going to have uh, Lil E, Earnhardt Jr. That's interesting they're getting him from NBC to do that, isn't it? I know. But I'm excited, baby. Raise hell, praise Dale. Well, even though this was on a Easter night and it probably was not the most uh, well-attended Bristol race ever, they did have a big TV number, which I think was the, really in a lot of ways is probably what NASCAR is probably a little more happy about. What was the number, Philip? It was $4.5 million. I think they definitely are happy about this because at the end of the day, the people that pay for a 30-second commercial ad are paying the bills, not the people that are showing up to the race. Right. I mean, you don't want to have nobody at the race. No, that's true. You do, you do need ticket sales, but you're right. That TV deal is the thing that's making NASCAR the lucrative endeavor it is right now. And, I mean, there's tons of sponsors still in the sport. Let's not kid ourselves. But... um. What, what that's the highest number since when? I believe since the Daytona 500, but it was the highest Bristol race since 2016. Okay. Well, I think that's great, don't you? I think that's. I mean, that's. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not surprised at that. I'm not in the slightest bit surprised at uh, at that number, given it was a holiday, and given that there was some intrigue and it was in prime time. I think it had been in the afternoon. It's probably a little tougher deal, but being in prime time, I think that's great. Yep, I agree. Luckily, Mother Nature at least waited to play her part till a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, you know, I watched some of it Sunday. I, th- I thought it was a good broadcast. Really did. Fox does a good job. I'm not knocking Fox in any way. Fox does as good a job with that as, as anybody. That is an unpopular think, opinion of late. A lot of NASCAR fans have been ticked off with Fox, actually. Why is that? So their pre-race coverage has been really kind of dopey and weird. And then, like, for instance, the other night during that one race. Well, wait a minute. Wait, all right. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop there. Stop there. Pre-race coverage. Who is watching pre-race coverage? The, the hardcore NASCAR fans. You're never going to please the hardcore fans. That is true. But You're never going to please the hardcore fans. I agree. But, like, one of the things that ticked me off the other night, you know, they had that rain delay during the, the stage break. And they kept mm-hmm. showing you, they finally came out and got the ruling and said, okay, if we don't start the race back, here's what the finishing order will be what they were running before. But they never came out and said, by the way, if we do start back the race, here's the 15 guys that didn't pit. Just to let you guys know, here's going to be the 15 guys that'll start 1 through 15. Yeah, they never came out and said that. Instead, they were talking to Jamie McMurray and Michael Waltrip about God knows what. Okay. I mean, that, that's a fair critique. I just I think they've always done a better job, in my opinion, than NBC on the whole with the with NASCAR. They 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 put it on the big network more, and I think their coverage is a little more spectacular than the NBC coverage. I could be wrong about that. I think their announcers are better than the NBC coverage, but they tend to sometimes do commercials at the worst time. They will. Do there'll be a big thing going on and they'll be showing an in-car camera view and it's like okay this is not the time to show an in-car camera. Um, a lot of times they'll be talking about one battle on the racetrack and the producers will be showing a different two guys battling it out and it's just like uh, you got to kind of all be in on one page there. 
Okay. I mean, I think those are all fair critiques. It's all fair. All right. Uh, more from you, Philip, right now with an update, and then we'll get to uh, Corey Smith with Pack Pride. Let's do that. Why not? Uh, we're going to 615 today. Right now, here is the ref, Philip Pilkington, with a 94-3 the game sports flash update. Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. ECU Women's Golf competed in the AAC tournament this week, and they finished eighth as a team, and Catherine Carson went eight over for the 54-hole event and finished tied for seventh. Moving to the triangle sports world, Duke will be losing some players this offseason as star center Mark Williams has declared for the NBA draft, and guard Coach K's grandson Michael Savarino has entered the transfer portal. It's a NASCAR that Bristol Motor Speedway has announced they will be returning next spring for a dirt night race. And to the NFL, the Browns started voluntary workouts today. Deshaun Watson was there. Baker Mayfield was not. To the Major League Baseball, the Rockies and star pitcher Kyle Freeland have agreed to a five-year, $64 million contract extension. And to the NBA, Kyrie Irving was fined 50 k for flipping off Boston fans this weekend in the loss to the Celtics. And tonight's games, Miami leads the series one to nothing. They are at home against the Hawks. The Heat are favored by seven and a half in that contest. The Grizzlies also lead their series one to nothing over the Timberwolves. Memphis is favored by six and a half, and the Suns are favored by nine and a half over the Pelicans as they look to also go up two games to none. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. More with the P-Man after this timeout. And Pirates. Oh, yeah. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. I'm Matt Murchison here at Greenville Nissan. Goodbye winter, hello spring. Sales event going on right now here at Greenville Nissan. I'm alone with Scotty Turner. What's up, Good my morning, friend? Sir. Good morning, sir. How are you? Yeah. I mean, look, what a wonderful day. It right? is a- look, <laughs> folks, this is a great time to come to Greenville Nissan, and I mean that sincerely. Matt, what do we have that most people don't have? Uh, we got plenty of inventory. Man, do we have some inventory. Oh, yeah. You know, folks, we're here to serve you at Greenville Nissan. Our team does a fantastic job to make sure that we take care of you from beginning to end. We give you top dollar for your trade. We have what? Greenville, we have Nissan bonus cash right now on every Nissan Altima we have in stock, right? That is correct. You talk about that for a second? Yeah, we got a great selection of Altimas right here. We uh, got all makes and models of the Nissan lineup right now here at Greenville Nissan. Hey, if you're worried about gas, we got an exciting new electric vehicle coming, vehicle coming out, and that's the Nissan Aria. You can reserve that vehicle through our website at GreenvilleNissan.com. Check us out. You're going to get the greatest experience here at Greenville Nissan, where we drive to serve. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Sarah. The usual. This is the last time I'm coming here for coffee. I'm on a budget now. One sec. Cold brew for Blake! It's Jake from State Farm. Sarah, don't give up what you love. State Farm has policy options to get you a surprisingly great rate. Good! I need my iced oat milk latte with caramel and cinnamon on top. Girl, me too. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. In a world where a single touch can threaten the surfaces of your home, there's Microband 24. Just one spray bites bacteria all day. Bacteria incoming. Shields up, defenders. When used as directed, Microband 24 sanitizing spray forms a defensive shield that keeps killing 99.9% of bacteria for up to 24 hours. Touch after touch. Threat eliminated. Microband 24. Don't just sanitize it. Microband it. Now spraying in a store near you.
You heard the saying, there are two things every American does, die and pay taxes. Well, there's a third, watch television. Listen, we all watch TV, but it doesn't need to be cable. With a new dish about the size of a pizza dish installed on your home, you have TV of the future. Did you know with this new home service, you can watch TV at home on any computer or tablet that has the internet, even on your phone. Watch TV anywhere in the country, all with this new Dish TV service. You can go on vacation and take your TV service with you, even let your kids watch it at college. All for one low price, locked in for two years, and guaranteed to be cheaper than your cable bill. Call right now. A week from this Thursday, and it is the Concert on the Common getting underway April 28th. We got Jim Quick and the Coastline Band, and they'll be performing 6 o'clock down at the Town Common, Greenville Toyota Amphitheater. Thanks to our sponsors, the Ritchie Law Firm, SCA Collections, Greenville Utilities, Vidant, the Air Doctor, Town Bank, Pitt Greenville Airport, Carolina Eagle Distributing, Sawyer's Fun Park, State Farm Insurance. We've also got Greenville Toyota and the folks at Sudden Link. City of Greenville and the Junior League will be serving up all the adult beverages again this year. We'll have food trucks. That is our concert on the common. Back for another year. Five fabulous, fabulous uh, performances led off by Jim Quick of the Coastline Band. We'll also hear from Chicago Rewired, a Chicago tribute band. The Embers featuring Craig Woolard on the border in June. The Ultimate Eagles tribute band, always popular, usually our biggest crowd of the year. And then Trial by Fire, they are a Journey tribute band. I saw where they were performing somewhere recently. And uh, that is going on, coming up uh, a week from Thursday, Concert on the Common. Never too early to start turning our attention to ECU and NC State Labor Day weekend. Editor of Pack Pride, Corey Smith, does a fabulous job uh, with uh, that uh, website and covering the Wolfpack. Corey, thank you for uh, hopping on the horn with us uh, here. And even though we're in uh, mid-April, we, we can still talk some football, right? We just had spring football, so we can talk it. Never, ever too early, and I appreciate the kind of words. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, obviously NC State just wrapped up their spring game. Uh, gosh, it seems like this past weekend, but it was two weeks ago now at this point, so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been fun to fun to watch, but uh, plenty to talk about coming off of that and for ECU as well. All right, so we have a top fifteen, top tenish caliber roster right now for the pack. Yeah, it depends on where you're looking. I mean, I think I think top fifteen is probably you know a fair assessment. Um, I wouldn't go you know much beyond that. I think you know especially if you, if you ask Dave Doran. Uh, which I know. Sorry, saying that name uh, around <laughs> ECU fans probably not. Uh, I, you know, probably not the best thing in the world. But uh, right. But Corey, I almost nodded off when you said his name because he's so boring. Yeah. He's so boring. 
exactly. But no, I think I think if you ask people, um, you know, around NC State, like you know, the the hope is, hey, you know, somewhere around that fifteen mark. Like let's let's not let's right. not do the let's not do the whole UNC thing from last year where they get put like you know number seven, number eight in the country, and then you know you set it up for that. You know, they this team would much rather earn that. Uh, earn that right and be around, you know, somewhere between like 15 to 17 and then try to get into the top 10 as opposed to uh, trying to, you know, starting off that way and getting all this preseason hype. Yeah. Uh, let's harken back, though, to UNC. That win late in the year, it's kind of the reason why we're talking about Wolfpack football so positively right now, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's the full body of work, and that win obviously was the difference between going eight and four and nine and three. Um, I don't think that win necessarily really pushed them, you know, into a new stratosphere and like that. I think if you get to the ACC championship game, that probably helps you. Right. Um, and the losing that losing a game like Wake Forest, losing a game like, uh, you know, losing that Miami game, you know, those really hurt NC State last year. Uh, and, and obviously, I mean, you know, Mississippi State was a winnable game too, and they they went in there and, and laid an egg. So, you know, if they're if they're if they win one of those games and have that miraculous comeback against UNC, and you go ten and two somehow, like that that puts them in a different right. You know, talking about completely different standards here. But yeah, I mean, UNC if they don't stage that comeback, we're not talking about you know any real you know real hype leading up to the season, with the exception of a lot of players returning, but. You know, you're talking about players returning from an eight-win season as opposed to nine-win. That's not really, you know, as 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 big of a deal. Um, but I also think, you know, if they win that, <laughs> they somehow or another able to play that Holiday Bowl, yeah, and they ten and three, then we're talking about a completely different, you know, preseason look going into the season. Yeah, and I think the same thing with ECU. Had they played BC, I think the Pirates yeah. were going to score a lot of points. Uh, maybe would have won, but I, I certainly think ECU was going to score a lot of points in that game. And there would have been a lot of hype and excitement uh, surrounding the Pirates, uh, as there is already, but uh, there really would have been uh, those bowl games, uh, the trajectory of your season based on that. It's, it's so it, it unique and interesting to, to look at that. Uh, the great Corey Smith, editor of Pack Prides with us here. We're, we're getting a never-too-early preview of ECU <laughs> and, uh, and uh, NC State for Labor Day weekend. All right, uh, so Devin Leary back, looked really sharp. Uh, in uh, in his return to the spring game, 355 yards, had three touchdown passes. Uh, so a, a, obviously a healthy Devin Leary is another reason hopes are so high in West Raleigh. Yeah, that's a major reason for, for NC State is you've got a guy that's coming back that, you know, I think going into last season, the there wasn't a ton of hype around him. There wasn't a ton of, you know, people really talking about like, hey, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC uh, and and now you have that because of what he did last season. I mean, he came back last year uh, from the you know the devastating injury against Duke the prior year, and and finally has a full season, uh, puts together massive numbers. I mean, we talked about it before the season last year. We're like, if he if he somehow or another uh, puts up similar numbers to what he did, you know, in his little four game sample that he had uh, during the 2020 season, he's going to break Philip Rivers' record. Like he's going to throw for over 35 touchdowns. He's going to throw for over 3,500 yards. And he did that. I mean, he, he more than did that, you know, and that's the thing is, is you're going into this season where 
it, it's not so much of, you know, an unknown, like, hey, we're just kind of throwing all these, you know, these preseason things on him. Like, these are things he can accomplish. No, he's done this, and now he has to, you know, kind of redo that, do it all over again and do it even better this year. And I think, you know, the, the expectation is he can again. And, and I think a big reason for that, too, is because of the wide receivers that he has mm-hmm. around. Thayer Thomas comes back, you know, one of the more experienced wide receivers in the ACC. Devin Carter sets up in some really big moments last year. I mean, you think back to the Clemson win. He's the one who catches that, that football in double overtime uh, to ultimately steal the game. So, you know, you have those guys back. You lose a guy in Emeka and Mezzi, but, I mean, if anybody – if you haven't watched the spring game for NC State, go back and watch it because uh, three guys really stepped up in that game that, you know, that haven't been talked about a ton. Uh, Anthony Smith, Porter Rook, Keon Lassane, mm-hmm. those three guys putting up really big numbers. So uh, if those guys are able to, to step up this year and, and keep adding to that, uh, you know, that wide receiver core that they built, uh, that can only help a guy like Devin Leary. Michael Allen, uh, a name familiar to people in this uh, town because of uh, his time at Rose High, signing mm-hmm. with State, and uh, he's already on campus, participated in the spring. Uh, running back, I don't want to say that's the question, but that seems like it's a pretty wide-open competition for the Wolfpack, potentially. Where do you see Michael Allen in that? No, it definitely is a question mark going into this year after you lose your two starters you know, from the previous year, uh, two guys that were more of your fellow callbacks. But, yeah, I mean, Michael Allen has, has kind of, you know, he's injected himself into the conversation. I don't think he's necessarily, you know, worked into the top of the, you know, the death start quite like Zonovan Knight did, his freshman year, another guy at a Southern Nash. Um, you know, so he's what he's done so far is is worked his way into that mix. Um, I think he's probably you know in the mix for you know the number two, number three mm-hmm. uh, guy that would come onto the field right now. Uh, number one is Jordan Houston. Uh, I would say that you know, he's probably one A, one B would be a guy in Jimmy Sumo uh, that we've heard so much about uh, throughout the last year. Uh, his emergence uh, in this offense and what he's done, you know with the scout team last year and then what he's done, you know, in terms of trying to emerge this year. So, and we got to see a little bit of that. Uh, and then Michael Allen, again, like I said, you know, kind of that, that second, third guy, uh, you know, at times. And the big thing for him that he's really helped him, that's really helped him uh, is the fact that he could receive the ball so well. You know, Jordan Houston was an all-purpose back. Uh, he's, you know, kind of stepped up into that spot. Demi Sumo is, is also – you know, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, but Michael Allen, I mean, for those that watched Rose High School last year, like, he started off coming back from the injury basically as a slot receiver. Like, they were just using him, yeah. trying everything they could to get him the ball uh, and, and able to get him in open space. And that only improved his hands. That's only made him a more valuable player for NC State. And I think that that's ultimately what helps him uh, to emerge this year. Corey, it seems like the defense uh, could be really good for the Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the first of the team. Um, I mean, you know, when you look at the defense, that, uh, I mean, what you, if you watch the spring game, you're not seeing the defense. Like, right. that, that first defense was not even, uh, there were six guys, six starters that were not uh, present for that defense. Uh, you think back to Peyton Wilson, the expectations for him last year. And he goes down a week two. Uh, Cyrus Fagan emerges as a starter uh, heading into week two, and then he suffers an injury and he's out for the rest of the season. That at the safety spot, uh, Isaiah Moore playing like a 
you know, like, I mean, the defensive player of the year, he was looked at, you know, midway through the season, he's looked at as the ACC defensive player of the year potentially. Uh, and then he goes down to the Miami game. Uh, and then guys like Savion Jackson, um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think back. Josh yeah. Clark was out as well. Uh, Tyler Baker Williams missed the last three or four games. You know, all of those guys have big impact in what, you know, the expectations were for NC State. Uh, and they're all expected to be back this year. So you, know, you just, all of those guys along with, you know, the guys that finish out the season. I mean, <laughs> you know, Tanner Engel wins all ACC, uh, line or safety last year. Uh, Corey Durden, uh, who came over from FSU was named all ACC at the defensive tackle spot. Uh, and then, you know, Drake Thomas emerges as, you know, all ACC linebacker last year. And he was looked at as, you know, basically the third guy in that linebacker rotation starting off last year. I mean, he wasn't even seen as, you know, potential for uh, defensive, you know, being an all ACC player because of the guys that he had around him. And I say it more of Peyton Wilson. So yeah. you get all of those guys back. Uh, and if you can keep them healthy, this was the number one scoring defense in the ACC last year. And, and that happened after losing all those guys. So the expectation is when those guys return, you not only have a ton of talent at the top of the depth chart, but you also have a ton of depth all up and down the planet, too. Corey Smith, editor of uh, Pack Pride. We're just uh, getting a little bit of the spring recap from one of the guys who really knows uh, from uh, NC State. A couple weeks removed from the Pack spring game, a couple weeks removed from ECU's uh, spring game, and uh, it, it's going to be, I think, a heck of a matchup in Greenville. Labor Day weekend. Let me ask you uh, just where right now you feel you feel like, because you've been following this program for a while. I mean, we you've described a lot of positives, which you know I, I don't think are, are you, is you necessarily uh, shilling for the program because this is all pretty legit consensus, uh, and your insight on this is, is really valuable. So, uh, where do you see this program right now? I mean, is the overall vibe around what Dave Dorn has done good? I mean, look. We all get sick of the Mac Brown hype. I think that last year was comical, but uh, you yeah, that's one thing Pirate and Pack fans I think can all agree on. But you know, I think right now Mike Houston's close, but Dave Dorn might might have the most solid program of any in the state right now. You know, Apps had a lot of turnover with their head coaching. You know, so even though that's sustained, but if we're talking to the state of North Carolina. Yeah, Mac Brown, they got a lot of money over there. They don't put a lot of it in football. They you know put more in hoops, but. You know, there's a lot of hype with Mac. Uh, I think what Mike Houston is doing is rapidly ascending and, and has gotten a great foundation. Now it's time to build on it. But it would seem to me that Dave Doran, if you look at all the the schools, no no disrespect to what Wake Forest has done, uh, might be the the one that's kind of got the most solid program right now. Is that a is that a fair observation? Yeah, I would put I would put NC State and Wake probably in that discussion together. I mean. The thing, the thing about NC State that, that Dave Doran has done has been more so sustaining it, you know, on a year in, year out basis, really outside of the, you know, outside of the 2019 season, which was the, you know, three and nine season, which they actually, um, you know, did end up beating, uh, <laughs> did end up, well, actually, I think that back was a four and eight season. It didn't actually end up beating, uh, ECU in the season opener in that one, but that was also Mike Houston's first game, uh, with ECU. Um, and, you know, I would put NC State and Wake Forest there because of, of what they've consistently done. Uh, UNC, I think, is obviously has recruited extremely well. 
you know, in the 2020 season, they put together a good campaign. I mean, but ultimately, you know, wins and losses, while they did beat uh, NC State right after they lost Devin Leary uh, for the season, uh, they, you know, both of them ended up having the exact same record uh, that season. So uh, you can't really say that, you know, they really took a huge step forward that year, uh, especially with the huge step back they took this past year going 6-6 six and six with a, you know, with a guy that looked at as a first-round quarterback and, you know, generational quarterback for that program. You, you lose that guy now after going 6-6. Six and six. So uh, I think one of the big things that, that NC State has done and, and Wake Forest has done too that's really helped them is they, they've recruited well. They've recruited guys that they feel like fit their program. They're not just going out and trying to find a flashy five-star or four-star guy that, you know, because of the fact that, that they can come in and, and immediately play well. So they're looking for guys that they feel like can sustain their program, guys that, you know, can develop within their program. Um, and that, you know, that ultimately leads to not only success on the field, but also, you know, success in the NFL draft. And they'll have a guy like E.C. Aquanu going, you know, potentially top five this year. Uh, they'll have, you know, several guys that will get drafted this year. Uh, and then, you know, they've, they've had it year over year. Uh, and the big reason for that is because of the development within the program. And that ultimately leads to, like I said, sustainability. And that's something that I feel like, you know, Mike Houston is doing well right now, too, is developing guys and bringing in guys that are good for the program, not just trying to find, right. you know, not just trying to find the fastest guy, but someone they can't catch. You're not trying to find someone that, you know, is <laughs> is, is a good running back, but is, uh, you know, or a, a big body running back, but somebody that can't really run the ball well. You'd rather have somebody that can hold on to the football and is maybe a little undersized, has a chip on their shoulder. You bring that guy in and they, you know, they emerge as a better player. So uh, that, that, I think, is where, you know, Mike Houston is, is succeeding um, in the same way that, you know, other programs within the state have done uh, when you can't really get those, you know, high, high level uh, recruits. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, uh, you know, we'll have several months of this, quite obviously. And I think as we get closer, uh, there's going to be a little bit of a fever pitch kind of build to this, uh, you know. Yeah. So uh, obviously there'll be quite a lot of hype. Where are you just as a, you know, a guy that covers NC State on trying to get this series I think annually is not uh, feasible just for a lot of different reasons, but on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, in the same way that we've talked about, you know, the baseball side of things, you know, the, the fact that there hasn't been a consistent, you know, two, three games every single year on the baseball side is frustrating. It's the same way with football because you like to see this, you know, I mean, it's, it's just such a fun, uh, <laughs> such a fun game because of the fact that you know from from both the ECU and NC State side of things, you have you know, just a, a heated rivalry where it's you know while while NC State fans will say, hey, you know that one doesn't mean as much as you know a UNC or a Clemson game because those are you know those are ACC competition. You know, <laughs> I mean, you talk to NC State fans right now and they're like, man, that game is going to be tough because we know how much you know, the Greenville fans are going to show up, you know, that day. Like, it's going to be it's going to be a ridiculous environment. We've seen teams like, you know, obviously Virginia Tech in the past. We've seen teams like South Carolina last year almost lose that game. And, and the reason why is because of the fact that, you know, ECU and the entire fan base 
invest so much into those games to, to try to, you know, propel the program forward. And, you know, for NC State, it's also a game that, hey, you've got to win this game. And it's, it's a really tough test going on the road. Uh, this will be the, you know, the one at real, you know, big test on the road before they go and play a team like Clemson right. uh, in week five. So uh, I think this rivalry is, is one that, you know, does need to be, you know, on a more regular basis. Um, you know, we saw it, obviously, you know, two years in a row uh, back in, what was it, 2019 or 2018 and 2019. Mm-hmm. But those were really lean years for ECU. I think this game, if you have a, a really good contest, a really tight contest, uh, I think this one could be one that could, you know, kind of bring back some um, some reasoning and, and talking about, you know, trying to bring back a little bit more uh, of this rivalry with, with regularity. There's some real positives going on with uh, NC State Athletics. Corey Smith is uh, the editor of Pack Pride. Uh, a lot of positives surrounding its athletic department in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, basketball has not thus far <laughs> uh, been able to, to sort of uh, enjoy those fruits, it seems. Uh, there was the big decommit from Sean Phillips, top 100 recruit. Now, NC mm-hmm. State. You guys had this story uh, this morning. Uh, did get uh, a, a transfer portal kid from LaSalle, pretty good guard uh, player uh, for them, a guy named Jack Clark, who can score and rebound the ball from that, that guard spot. So there is that. Is that how Kevin Keats is going to have to get this done, uh, you know, with, with a, a, a portal-type situation um, in order to kind of salvage – next season and and where is everybody now with WPN on uh on uh the, the Kevin Keats situation yeah it's a, it's a it's a dicey situation right now like to, to be quite honest you know obviously and, and I want to clarify too obviously we're talking about men's basketball here because right right basketball but I think I think NC State fans need that clarification right now because the women's <laughs> basketball right. coming off of an elite eight yeah four straight eight championships like uh or yeah three state ACC championships four ACC championships in three years so yeah but anyways I uh, yeah I, I get what I get exactly what you're saying I mean you know and the big thing too is you know as of right now yeah they just added a kid in Jack Clark this uh this morning six foot eight guard six to score uh and you know a guy that can rebound the ball well like you said and uh you know they're they're still looking for others um as of right now you know they feel good about where they are with a guy like Landers Nolly that was all ACC freshman team player uh, with Virginia Tech a few years back before going to Memphis. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, the guys that they've lost right now, you know, Sean Phillips was the latest. Manny Bates uh, was a guy that entered the portal a couple weeks ago. You know, Cam Hayes and, and a couple other guys didn't really pan out uh, the way that they wanted to. So, you know, the, the big losses right now have been at the big position. And you, you currently have a guy in E.B. Dewana that's the only remaining center on the roster, you know, a true center on the roster. So, uh, they've got to add at that position, but they do have, you know, as of now, I believe, uh, let's see, five roster spots open. They only have 12 uh, going into the year. Uh, and, and, you know, there's the potential for a guy like Darion Sebron to stay in the draft. Maybe Traquavion Smith yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's a better chance of Traquavion Smith coming back. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the feeling right now is, you know, you, I mean, around Kevin Keats, if we're being honest, you got to make the NCAA tournament this upcoming year. Like, I think there's some, you know, there's some upset fans right now because they're looking at the roster and they're going, "You're not adding anybody. There's no, 
you know, there's no talent coming in. Well, that's, that's coming. Like you're, they're going to fill out this roster. Uh, it's just a matter of, of who they're going to fill it out with. Are those players going to be good enough? Uh, and that's the big thing is you've got to, you got to at some point, uh, you know, bring these guys in and then be able to jump to that, you know, jump to the NCAA tournament. And, and if they're not able to do that this year, then we're, we're probably talking about, you know, a change uh, at that spot going into next year. Well, so, and, yeah. Uh, and, and I think Terquavion Smith, we know familiar with him because of Farmville Central. Yeah. If he comes back, that's a big help. If, you know, yeah. if, if he returns, that's a big help. Yeah. And again, he's the guy that, you know, six foot four. Um, he can shoot the ball from anywhere on the court. I mean, just led the ACC in, in three pointers this past year. You know, there's some discussion that he could go, you know, late uh, in the first, probably not late in the first round, probably early in the second round. Right, right. But, you know, there's there's real discussions about, you know, him having this huge ceiling for next year. If he comes back and he puts on some added weight, he could be a, a potential lottery pick going into next year's draft. I mean, that's the, that's the talk about him right now. So I think it's ultimately smarter if he ends up coming back to NC State for another year uh, to really help himself in the draft. Uh, but we'll see. So that's the you know it it all it takes is all it takes is one NBA scout saying hey I'm gonna have guaranteed money for you you know even if you don't get drafted uh, we're gonna sign you to so and so and it's and that you know that changes the kid's mind so um, you know and and that's that's a big reason why NIL right now is is playing a big part in a lot of these decisions around the country and and could ultimately play some uh, play a part in some decisions for NC State too. Corey, one other quick thing to ask you. A week from tonight, uh, NC State hosts ECU in baseball. Uh, the Wolfpack got a win at Clark LeClaire Stadium earlier uh, in the season. Uh, Wolfpack at high point tonight. Of course, the Pirates, we've got that coming up, uh, hosting UNCW. Five in a row for NC State, 11 of their last 14, I believe, uh, is uh, kind of the streak they're on. It's been a bit of a streaky year. How do you see uh, just – Looking ahead to that matchup, of course, State has a trip this weekend to Louisville. Pirates have a trip to Tulane this weekend in New Orleans. But how do you see, uh, you know, that matchup, second go-around at Doak Field, and then where maybe NC State winds up uh, projection-wise for the NCAAs? Yeah, you know, that that matchup next week is going to be a tough one because, you know, as as we were saying beforehand, like that, that, you know, NC State-ECU rivalry, particularly in baseball, I think might be, you know, might be the one that, that both teams really put the most stock into. Obviously, football is is huge, but, uh, you know, when you talk about baseball, like ECU is a team that's been knocking on the door of the College World Series, NC State obviously coming off of the College World Series. So there are two teams that are very, you know, very much so competing for a lot of the same things when it comes to, you know, baseball in the state of North Carolina. And, you know, I think that matchup next week is going to be about who figures out the offense first because, you know, that <laughs> you go back to that matchup previously, NC State shuts out ECU, uh, the whole game ends up winning it two to zero. Uh, and, you know, NC State, while they're on a good streak right now, obviously five, five straight games, uh, where they've won. And like you said, 11 of the last 13, uh, it's, it's been still a bit of a struggle offensively. I mean, <laughs> they've got a, they've got a lot of guys up and down the lineup they feel really good about, but, uh, you know, they've lost some, some really tight games or they've won some really tight games in walk off fashion. Uh, and, you know, they, <laughs> some games where they feel like, you know, especially against BC this past weekend, uh, that they should have won in much bigger fashion. So, 
uh, it'll be it's going to be a tough one, especially with NC State going to Louisville this coming up weekend. Um, you know, if they they lose that series potentially, then you know where's the confidence at from that standpoint going into that uh, that matchup against TCU? Who do they pitch in that matchup too? Because uh, one of the big things that we're we're monitoring for NC State right now is you know, they're they're having to bring in guys that were you know previously their midweek guys. Uh, guys like Logan Whitaker, um, you know, I think Garrett Payne pitched in that last game against uh, UN or against ECU. I was thinking mm-hmm. UNCW, um, ECU. You know, who do they who do they pitch in this game? Because they're having to bring in guys. Sam Heifel has been injured for a while. Matt Willis has been struggling, so they're having to use a lot more of the guys in the bullpen. Uh, you know, who's who's ready to go in that midweek matchup uh, will be an interesting one to watch too. Hey, Corey, thanks a lot. Great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll look forward to, to maybe touching base as we get a little closer uh, within a few weeks of the football season. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Our pleasure, and we'll be back to get you ready for ECU and UNCW next. Texas Roadhouse in Greenville is happy to support the community. At Texas Roadhouse, they not only want to be your favorite restaurant, they also want you to know they love this community and love supporting it. From providing food for charity golf tournaments to their school support programs, Texas Roadhouse is there when the Greenville community needs them. Also, it doesn't hurt that their food is awesome. Steaks, ribs, chicken, you name it, it's legendary. Texas Roadhouse, Southwest Greenville Boulevard, Greenville. I'm Tim Sutton from Greenville Auto World. Trucks, 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 two-wheel drives, four-wheel drive, extended cabs, crew cabs, you name it, we have it. Late model, low mileage, all brands. 15 liters to choose from for all of your financing options. Plus, we customize tires, rims, lift kits on site, no matter how large or small the job is. For an appointment, call us at Greenville Auto World on Charles Boulevard at 364-8730. Greenville's premier Uptown Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's acts include The Embers featuring Craig Willard, May 26th. For more details and a full lineup of bands, go to concertonthecommon.org. Greenville's premier Uptown Concert Series returns. Concert on the Comet. This year's acts include On the Border, The Ultimate Eagles Tribute, June 9th. For more details and a full lineup of bands, go to concertonthecommon.org. Take a hit from a 300-pound linebacker and you better be wearing pads. Take a hit on the road and you better have good auto coverage. When you've got North Carolina Farm Bureau Auto Insurance, you've got the best local agents ready to help you bounce back. If you don't, well, you probably play football without a helmet, too. North Carolina Farm Bureau Insurance. Helping you is what we do best. North Carolina Farm Bureau Mutual Insurance Company. Farm Bureau Insurance of North Carolina, Inc. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. In Greenville, contact your local Farm Bureau agent for a quote for your car, home, life, or or your health. You'll be working with neighbors you can trust. People like Lynn Sugg and Justin Batts, these agents are dedicated to protecting your family and your dreams. These Farm Bureau agents are knowledgeable in a wide range of insurance products, but they are tuned in to the Greenville community. Again, contact Lynn Sugg or Justin Batts today at Farm Bureau Insurance in Greenville at 252-756-3165. That's 252-756-3165. Start something new in 2022 by continuing your education with short-term training at Pitt Community College. PCC's continuing education programs are available for those interested in a new career path, preparing for the workforce, or updating their current skills. 
Continuing education classes are offered online, in hybrid format, and face-to-face, with many being offered free of charge. Visit PittCC.edu today and let us help you in 2022. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Hundred forty fourth meeting tonight between ECU and UNCW from Clark LeClaire Stadium. We'll get you out to the ballpark here for pregame coverage with Scooter and Coach O in just a little bit. Pirates are eighty one and sixty two all time against the Seahawks. Cliff Godwin eight and four against uh, the program where he actually got his college coaching start was uh, part of the uh, staff of the uh, Seahawks many, many moons ago. It's a battle of lefties on the uh, hill tonight. C.J. Mayhew for the Pirates, 2-1, 354 ERA, his 20th appearance and his third start for the Shelby product tonight. And it'll be Evan Marcinko for the Seahawks. No record, ERA of three, only his fourth appearance, but his first start, so the freshman out of Maryland going to get a baptism by fire tonight in uh, Greenville that would lead one to believe uh, certainly for the Seahawks it is going to be a pin day we'll see how long Cliff Godwin lets Mayhew go uh, tonight knowing that he may need CJ in the all-important series at Temple or uh, Temple and uh, Tulane this weekend in New Orleans uh, UNCW 21 and 13 on the year but they're just two and seven on the road they have won their last three Last week in the midweek, lost a one-run decision in Raleigh against NC State, but swept Towson uh, over the weekend. Pirates are 22-15, and 11-8 at home, and have won four straight. The win at Elon last week, followed by the sweep of UNC, uh, of uh, UCF, I should say, in Orlando. So the uh, Pirates have been really good here lately. The uh, bats are going, and we'll see if that can continue tonight. Uh, this will be... Uh, the only game uh, in a little stretch here at home for the Pirates because they will be out of town at Tulane this weekend and then the midweek the following uh, week next Tuesday, as we mentioned when we talked to Corey Smith a moment ago. It'll be a game uh, next Tuesday at the uh, Doak Field in Raleigh as uh, they'll uh, try to even the series against uh, another in-state rival, NC State. But tonight going for the sweep against UNCW. Big thanks, uh, Pack Pride's Corey Smith. Again, we'll have the show for you up in podcast form uh, a little bit later on this evening, so you can always go back and relive the magic uh, and fun of all of our programs. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Ray Kwan Boyette, outside receivers coach for ECU, Wilson native, uh, new to the staff for Mike Houston. Looking forward to having him on the program tomorrow. We'll also recap uh, and have audio and analysis of uh, ECU, UNCW. Big thanks to the ref, Philip Pilkington. Shout out, Intern Abby. We'll catch you tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Patrick Johnson showing tomorrow on Talk of the Town on 103.7 and 96.3 from 7 to 9. Concert on the Common is back. One of the best concerts I've ever been to. Definitely, it was a good show. Best concert I've ever been to. <laughs> Enjoy live music with your friends and family, along with adult beverages and great food on Greenville's Town Common. The first band to hit the stage at the Greenville Toyota Amphitheater is Jim Quick and Coastline. Thursday, April 28th. Yeah.